This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. And we are live. Oh, man. This is a rough one, Michael. This is a rough one. <laughs> you've been I'm, you've been coughing up a lung most of this week, haven't you? <clears throat> I have been. I've got a touch of the black lung. Yeah. I sent you that Derek Zoolander video where he comes <laughs> into the bar after working a day in the mine and he says, I think I'm catching the black lung pop <laughs> or something like that. It's pretty funny. Anyway, yes, I've got, I think, what is the flu, and so I'm feeling pretty miserable. But the show must go on, so we're going to make this happen today. Yes, we so, are. why don't we get started? Uh, oh, do it. you want to tell us your exciting news? What happened to my you My exciting news. Yeah. For the first time, my child-to-be kicked me. Well, which is it's awesome. Been, <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting. It's um, It's been kicking mum for... A few days now but we've never i said i said to my wife it's because the child respects me and it knows not to kick me that's right and uh yeah so it took took a bit of doing and a bit of patience just laying there and and it'll be 23 weeks tomorrow no monday it'll be 23 weeks so it's still like it's really hard to notice when like is it just like blood pulsing through or is it like my wife breathing or is it actually me being kicked so yeah yeah but it, it was awesome. pretty cool that's um, awesome love it's it. it's getting pretty exciting now yeah um that's so fun i mean i remember like as it'll get really creepy soon though because yeah. it's gonna be like you enough, you're gonna see like through. it's gonna be like alien yeah like yeah the foot's gonna like go across you know Reese's <laughs> stomach or something yeah. or, or the hand yeah uh, yeah it's, it's wild man it's wild <laughs> you, you'll you'll love it it's gonna be awesome yeah. all right so let's start with uh laravel live india 2018 so this is something that has been going on for a couple of years now i believe mm-hmm. i think this is maybe it's second or third year yeah and I think so it looks second like the, year. yeah so it's uh, gonna be taking place on march 17th 2018 of course 2018 and it says that they're gonna have an audience of about 300 people so i'm guessing it, the the name of the event kind of hints at the fact that these people, these speakers aren't actually going to be live there. But the speaker lineup includes Freak van der Herten, Sean McCool. I'm going to let you do those next four. <laughs> Hans van der Vrecken, Vibe, oh, this one's a good one. Yeah. Vibhraj Rahman, Roham, Sartak Srivastava, and Neo Ihodaro, which we may have heard of. There was an interview with him um, yes. On the Laravel podcast, Laravel with podcast Matt Stauffer. Yeah. we'll link that up in yeah. the show notes. Yeah, so it's um, it's super cool to see that it's going on uh, around the world, right? This isn't just a American or, or Australian or English speaking thing. It is people from all over the globe that use Laravel. So uh, yeah. really, really cool. It uh, looks like uh, they have a website, uh, laravellive.in for Laravel Live in New Delhi, India. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can buy tickets for that. Um, and you can see all the speakers on there and everything. So pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. It's great Love to it. see the uh, expansion. I'm sure this is like, it must be pretty special for Taylor to see just how much this little framework that he built for, you know, help spot back in the day 
has a, yeah. has grown into this this international sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's gotta be awesome. It's gotta be like a huge sense of accomplishment. You know, I know that like one of the things for him that's that he loves to hear is when Laraval allows somebody to like quit their job and work from home or whatever, right? Yeah. Able to kind of have allows them to have the lifestyle that they've always wanted to have. But I'm sure this has got to feel awesome too, right? Like having a uh, framework that's used around the globe has got to be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into blade components and include aliases. So we kind of slaughtered this a couple of weeks ago. We tried, <laughs> As tried we to tend explain to do. it. On- yeah, tried to explain it on air and didn't do a great job. Let's give it one more shot here. Paul Redmond, <laughs> uh, everyone's favorite human, uh, wrote up a succinct little article for us here. So, Michael, why don't we give it a shot? Let's do it. All right. Um, which one do you want to take? you want to take component aliases or include aliases? Uh, I can I can do the component aliases just to rehash what okay. we spoke about last week. All right, go for last it. episode. So, the, the component aliases essentially allow you to take a component, give it a name, and then it allows you to call it based on what that alias is. So instead of using the at component directive in your blade files and then including the path to the component, you can reference it dynamically using the the at syntax. So if you had a component for an alert, you could alias it to alert, and then you can reference that component as at alert and then passing in any variables to that to that component or any slots and things like that so it's a nice little way to shortcut creating blade directives without having to go through the full process of creating a directive itself yeah that's that's a great way to explain it like it's like a shortcut to getting your own directive so you have a component you use it a lot you want to give it like a directive name that you can get to really quickly you just do blade component pass in the view path pass in what you want to alias it to and then you can use that as a directive in any of your blade Mm -hmm. blade views yeah yeah, very cool. Okay, so there's also these include aliases. Now, this is a little bit more uh, nuanced, I suppose, so I'll try and explain it as best I can. So if you have a component, components will typically have slots, which are spots where you can kind of inject HTML. If you have a essentially like a component that you want to use, but it does not have slots, so for example, like if you wanted to have a, an at input that you could use in your blade views, that input isn't necessarily going to have slots. Instead, what you're going to be doing is you're probably going to be passing in data as an array that will be used to fill in some of the attributes of that input. For instance, what type it is, uh, what the value is, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So if you have a if you have something that you want to be a directive, right? And you don't want it and it doesn't have any slots. Yeah. And it doesn't have any key. slots then you can use an include alias. Uh, And so you do this very similarly to how you do the blade component one. You just do blade colon colon include the path to that component and then what you want to alias it as. Uh, So that's the major difference between these two, between between component aliases and between the include alias is one of them uses slots. The other one does not use slots. That's the major difference here. Uh, As we said, uh, there is a good article out there on it uh, written by Paul Redman and you can check that out in the show notes. Yeah, I think... And this is probably be a really good place specifically for, I guess, HTML elements where you just yeah. want to create an input or a, you know, a text area or something like that where you're not doing a whole lot, and then you, you know, you want to keep the HTML sort of isolated and reusable. So if you ever needed to change, say, styles or classes or anything like that, you can do that all in one place, and still have the ability to, you know, not have to change all of your markup anytime you do that. Yeah. 
I think immediately of like bootstrap form elements, right? How it's mm -hmm. like wrapped in a form group. And then a lot of times you'll have like error text or like you want to wrap it with error or whatever, if there's errors for it and all that. And uh, you basically just need to change two or three things, but there's a lot of boilerplate that kind of surrounds those. Yeah. Yep. So to keep your blade templates really clean, uh, you could just do an at input and then it would basically substitute that with a, you know, bootstrap style uh, mm -hmm. input. Okay, let's see. GitHub, GitHub adds the ability to quickly review changed functions in your PHP pull requests. So if you, like me and Michael, end up uh, spending a lot of your day uh, reviewing code on GitHub, where you submit a pull request and you need to go through and do a code review for it, uh, GitHub just added the ability for you to not only be able to see which files are changed, but be able to see which functions inside those files, those PHP files, are changed. So if you are in a, in a pull request and you go to look at the changes and you go to see the files that are changed. If you press the, if you press T on your keyboard, uh, it will open up the jump to menu, which will show you all the different files that changed uh, in that pull request. Underneath that though, it will show you the names of the different methods or functions that were changed in that particular file. This is really handy, you know, for when you're doing pull request reviews and yeah, pretty neat. You can check it out. Uh, we'll have it linked up in the show notes as well. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Uh, let's talk about this pwned passwords thing and Laravel form validation. You seemed rather passionate about wanting to discuss this one. So I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> I think it's because you, you know, some Aussie, some Aussie love here. Yeah, that's, that's largely what it is. Um, Troy Hunt is a, is a security researcher from Australia. He works at uh, Microsoft or, or did spend a, a bit of time working at Microsoft and he built a website that some of you may be familiar with called, have I been pawned? It's, it's quite a extensive website. And essentially what this does is that when there is a notification of a breach of uh, some website where details have been released, what Troy does is basically capture that information and then essentially what you can do is search for an email address to determine if your account has been compromised and if the password has been exposed. And you can basically use this package that has been created by Stephen Rees Carter that hooks into the Have I Been Porn service via their API and does validation so that you can ensure that your users aren't using any of those compromised passwords. So it's a really cool service to to um, check on and uh, it certainly will help keep your users from using obvious passwords, passwords that have been compromised and things like that. What's your professional opinion on that? How far do you go to tell, to make sure that your users are safe? Well, I think... You know, I mean, these services are being compromised out there. So you want to do it as much as possible. You want to do everything you can to keep your users safe. But at the same time, I guess you can't really force them. It, it, it's, it's a tricky balancing act. It's kind of like, you know, there's always, I, I actually encountered one before we jumped on to record my new health provider or health insurance provider. They don't allow special characters in their passwords. So it's... Passwords are a very tricky thing. I think you want to try and be as hands-off as possible, but you want to try and implement the right things. And I think it's a small overhead. It's only happening at the time that, a, that an account has been created or a password is being changed. So yeah. look, if you're in a position where you can use it, I think it's a, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's hard because like you want to balance like you don't want to annoy your users too much, right? Like yeah. if they've always had the same password or two passwords that they've used and like, yes, that's terrible practice. Yes, 90% of the world's population does that anyway. You mm -hmm. know, it's like 
what's it's just trade-offs right so you like yeah you have a, a user who tries to come in and tries to sign up for your service and they've been told three times now that the password that they're choosing is one of the compromised passwords and they're like screw mm-hmm. this i'm not signing up for your service so it's like yeah you almost you know there's you certainly have a responsibility as a provider of your service to make sure your users are safe but some of that responsibility falls onto them right if they're not going to use best practices they're not going to use best practices yeah. and then they're responsible for their own actions so it just kind of depends i get it like i, I get the the use case yeah. and I, I think it's a good idea but um it is what it is uh, michael's call just dropped for some reason and so i'm just going to take this moment to say whatever i want which is that um i think america is awesome Oh, there he is. He's back. Uh, I just got signed out of Google, so that was awkward. I I, I don't know where we got to. I think the the cool thing about this this package as well is that it's just implemented as a validation rule, and oh, that is cool. You you can essentially tell it to. You, there's some level of configuration, so you can say, I don't necessarily want to reject all passwords that have been compromised, but you can say, I would like to reject passwords that have at least been compromised at a threshold level. Mm. So for example, the password password has been compromised a little over 3 million times, but the password P at SSWORD exclamation point has only been compromised 118 times. So So you can set a threshold? Yeah, so you can say, I only want to... Um, reject passwords that have been compromised at least, you know, 100 times or 150 times or 200 times. That's genius. And that still gives you a little bit of flexibility in that as well. Yeah, no, that's that's genius. I love that. It's a great idea. Okay, that gives me that gives me more confidence. All right, so um, let's talk about 5.6.6. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, there are two kind of uh, interesting new methods on the collection class. Uh, there is sort keys and sort keys descending. This is exactly what it sounds like. So if you pass in an array with keys and values and then you say sort keys on it, it will sort keys ascending. If you say sort keys descending, it will sort keys descending. There you go. The next change was to the optional helper. Mm-hmm. Michael, you explained this, so I'm going to let you explain it again. Uh, my impression was that it already did this, but apparently it did not. And for those of you who are not aware what the optional helper is, this is really great for if you had something like user confirmed at and then mm-hmm. diff for humans, something like that, right? So like if you have a user that needs to be, they sign up and then they have to be confirmed, they have to confirm their email address or something like that, right? And you want to show to somebody on the admin side how long ago they actually confirmed their account. So you'd say user confirmed at diff for humans. Well, if the confirmed at isn't actually filled and you try and do diff for humans on that, it's going to throw an error because you're calling diff for humans on null. You can't you can't do that. Yeah. Um, so what you can do instead is you wrap that with optional. So you say optional user confirmed at and then you say diff for humans after that. And what will happen is the optional helper will just kind of swallow that last call. If there's nothing there, it just returns null. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there has been a change to it. And Michael, you can help explain to me what that is. Yeah. So this was a pull request submitted by Till Cruz, who basically encountered the situation where if you're trying to access an undefined property on the object that does exist. So if you were to pass in your user confirmed at, in Jake's example, and then access uh, not diff for humans, but some other property that doesn't exist, you'll still get the trying to access uh, undefined property error, I think it is. 
on that object. So this is guarding against cases where you might try and access a property that doesn't exist on the object or the array that you're passing into the optional helper um, where that does evaluate true. So it's a, it's a small convenience, but essentially instead of throwing an error into your application, it will just return null for that value. Which, which is the whole can, point of it. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Which makes it easy to consistently handle. You know, you don't have to look for exceptions or wind up with errors in your bug tracking software. You can just assume that, you know, if it's null, then it's not there. And it gives you a little bit of consistent handling. That's nice too, because you can do like, you can use this, you can say optional, you know, in the exact, in the, the same example I gave before, you would have had to check like, is null and then if it's not null then return diff for humans otherwise return like some like return na right and now you can just say optional uh user confirmed at diff for humans and then what you could do is you could just do the double question mark the null coalesce operator and then you can just put in the thing that you'd want to replace it in the case that that is not defined because it returns yeah. null the optional helper returns null so you just do the null coalesce, null coalesce operator after it and then uh mm -hmm. put in your blade template there what you would want to replace it in the case that it is null so yeah really yep. nice yep there we go that is 566 yeah uh let's see what else we got okay parse down 1.7 is released that is also mentioned in the 5.6.7 release notes is that right yep that is correct yeah yeah so what was going on with that there was some sort of security advisory there was yeah there was so laravel uses the parse down library to do its markdown parsing so for Anyone that's using that markdown functionality in their application, if you're using the markdown mailables, for example, you're you're using that whether you know it or not. There was a cross-site scripting vulnerability detected in the parse down library. So it has subsequently been updated. And as a result, Laravel 567 has been updated, which includes a fix for that security advisory and and, and obviously the updated parse down version as well. So uh, the the recommendation I believe is to to handle essentially what is coming in from your users, um, so to to do a bit of validation. There are some libraries that you can use. Um, HTML Purifier, for example, is one that allows you just to be a little bit cautious. One one thing that that I was taught very early on in my career is to never trust your users. So you never know who's going to be sitting on the other side of the of your of your application and, and what they're going to be trying to whether knowingly or not drop into your application so yeah we'll link up obviously the the release notes that, that covers this off but there's also a post on laravel news that covers the specifics of the the, the vulnerability and how how you can deal with that yep in addition um the 567 released with a sftp file system driver so this was available previously through fly system league yeah, Fly System League, uh, they had they had their own SFTP file system driver. So I believe they kind of just pulled this into the core, the SFTP file system yep. driver. So this yep. allows you to just use Fly System as you normally would, but now you have uh, the ability to connect to an SFTP host uh, using a username and password and or a private key. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I've had to use that before, pull it in myself, and um, I would not recommend it if you can get around <laughs> it. SFTP is just really slow. Or at least it was in my experience. I had really bad. There was a lot of dropped connections and stuff. It was a mess. Yeah. Of course, that could have just been the host of the provider that I was using. But anyway, it's included now. So if you want to use it, it's there for you. 
Yeah. I mean, there are some okay. situations where you have to use it. So Correct. Which is the situation we had, right? It was like we had a client who wanted us to upload files to their SFTP. And it was like, okay, we can either have somebody do this manually or we can just include the SFTP driver and just do it. So it worked most of the time, but eh, whatever. It's, it's, it is what it is, right? Like you said, like yeah. sometimes you can't get around it. So yep. there we go. Uh, Laravel Forge switches its two-factor authentication. What's this going yep. on here? So when Laravel Forge shipped and also uh, Envoyer, it shipped with a two-factor authentication service called Authy, which is really handy. It had a little app that you installed uh, either into your browser, onto your computer, onto your mobile devices, and it would cycle every 60 seconds or so a different uh, unique code that you can use. So when you log in with your username and password, you also then get prompted for the unique code. The Authy service, the way that it works is obviously it's free for you as a user, but for for Taylor, it was it was costing a, a significant sum of money. So really? it's been Didn't swapped out. Yeah. Yeah, I think for for accessing the OTP, so the one-time password API service with Authy, it was costing something like four or five hundred dollars per month. Jeez. So that's all been switched to uh, Google Authenticator now. Uh, you can continue using Authy with this new um, two-factor authentication process if you wanted to keep using that app. I have previously used the Google Authenticator app. The only problem with that is that it's not a centralized thing. So if you were to change your phone, as I did once and found out the hard way, and you lose access to Authenticator, you lose access to all of those one-time passwords. So I use one password for all of my one-time uh, authentication stuff and that means it gets cached uh, it gets handled in the one password service which means it works across all of my devices so that's probably the biggest benefit to me is that it's portable but if you did have one one time or two-factor authentication sorry set up in laravel forge you will need to re-enable it now so that you can get um, the new code set up in your devices and whichever applications you're using. I said Google notified me the other day. I was using my two-factor, my Google two-factor stuff on my uh, email address. And it was like, hey, would you like to switch to using uh, your Google app to do this for you, essentially? Mm-hmm. So instead of having to uh, open up the Google Authenticator app and look at mm-hmm. that six-digit code, it'll just prompt you on your phone. It'll just say like, it'll just kick it open. As soon as you need that that six-digit auth code, it'll just ask you on your phone, hey, is this you? Yes. Just like, kind of does like, like it does with Apple. Like if you're logging this, like yep. you have to authenticate yep. this from a secondary device. Uh-huh. So it'll use that. So you just pop up on your phone, say, yep, it's me. And then, and then it'll let you through. Uh, mm-hmm. I, would be, I would be interested to know if that would work the same. I think it kind of would, right? Because I mean, if yeah. it's using Google Authenticator, it seems like you'd have that option for this too. So I think that so, seems, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they're just rolling it out now, but uh, that'd be really nice. Mm. I think yeah. the other thing with with one password for me, and I, I believe it to be the single greatest user experience change that that one password has ever made to their their application, at least from my perspective, is that when you log into a site that one password knows is configured for two factor authentication, it will automatically swap out whatever you have on a clipboard with the one-time password token so that you can just paste it straight in once once that prompt comes in. So you don't have to like open one password again and copy the code and then type it in. And then basically what it does is, is there's like a 15 or 20 second window where it copies the, the code to your clipboard and then it will restore your clipboard, whatever was there before um, after that code has expired. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So navigating a new Laravel code base. 
Uh, one of our good friends here, Chris Gamir, put a new article out there on Laravel News. So this is his second article that he's put out there. The first one we mentioned in the last show, which was five Laravel helpers, I think. Laravel helpers, mm-hmm. if I can talk here. Yep, five Laravel helpers to make your life easier. So this one is on navigating a new Laravel code base. So uh, this really is just about you know, when you, when you're first jumping into a new code base, it can be really like overwhelming, uh, especially if you're new to programming. So, uh, as a Laravel noob, maybe, or as a person coming into a new code base, where are the places that you want to look to learn the most that you can about it as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. So he talks through, uh, where are the spots that you want to look? Uh, he mentions composer, then the routes file, uh, then service providers, and then the tests and a couple other things. So I can't obviously read the whole article to you, but I would highly recommend it to you as a good article to read. We will link that up in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Laravel 569, why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah. So Laravel 56, well, 568 and 569, seeing as that was all rolled into one post. So in Laravel 568, there was a new test helper created where instance of, um, which basically allows you to pass in a collection or accountable, I assume, things. So you pass an array in there or whatever. And then you can basically say, make sure that there is three. So you can do a count essentially on the number of instances of a particular class inside of that collection. Okay. I think what this is doing here, this is a where instance of method that you can put on a collection. So you have a new collection yeah. and then you have three standard class items in there and then you have a new collection. And basically what it's doing is in this case for this test that it's showing in the post is it's saying where instance of, so like take the collection and do a where instance of filter on it and only keep the ones that are the standard class. And then it's saying, hey, assert that there's three. And he's saying, yep, this is how it works. So he's just showing mm-hmm. the test as an example of how it would be used. But I think what it's actually, you know, the release itself is just saying like, Here's a new collection filtering method yeah. called where instance yep. of where you can just pass in a class and it will filter it down to just those items. Yeah. So where previously you would use collection, filter, function, item, and then check the item inside right. there. This is essentially just a shortcut um, wrapper over the top of that. So instead of doing yep. the instance of check yourself inside the filter callback, you can just say where instance of and it will handle all of that for you under the hood. You got it. That's it. That's it. Um, it also has a dispatch now method, which is available with the bus dispatchable trait. I thought this was already a thing, but apparently not. I've been using dispatch now for a while, mm. actually. Maybe it's just a different dispatchable trait. Maybe it's maybe something else. Maybe I'm thinking on like the controller. On the controller, you can use dispatch, but maybe I know there's like yeah. a yeah, I'll have to look. Anyway, it's now on the Illuminate Foundation bus dispatchable trait. So if you're using that, you now have a dispatch now which essentially uh, allows you to, if you have like a, a job that you want to dispatch and it uses the should queue interface, if it uses the should queue interface, then what it will do is it will try and queue itself onto the queue workers, right? And then it will uh, get fired off at a later point in time. Mm-hmm. If you have that job that uses that should queue, but you call it with dispatch now, it will disregard that and say, don't worry about that should queue, just do it right now. Just do it right now. Right. So it's helpful for if you have a job that's typically queued, but you want to handle it right now. So like if you're in a command or something, right, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to wait to queue it, you just want to dispatch it at this moment, you can do dispatch now and it will ignore that should queue. Yeah. Skip the queue. Basically, as though you're using the 
what is what is the configuration option? Oh, uh, um, queue sync. Yeah, if you want to use a sync queue, it's it's essentially like that. So it will skip the whole queuing process and immediately do whatever it is that it needs to be needs to be done. Yeah, and it actually, I mean, like this isn't probably recommended, but dispatch now will also return you values, whereas like dispatch does not, obviously. So dispatch now, can, if you return an item or a value from your job, it will return it back to you uh, mm -hmm. after you call dispatch now. So, yeah. Nice. Looks like they also have a dump helper. So there's already at DD that you can use in Blade, which is like a die dump in Blade. Uh, but there's also a dump helper in Blade now, which is just, it will just dump it, but it won't exit after, afterwards. Uh, looks like there was a ton of attempts to try and get Taylor to do this. And he finally just said, okay, fine. I give up. Yeah. Finally. I'm sick of rejecting them, so I'll just let it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Persistence, my friend. Persistence. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the sounds like operator. Yeah, so this is a MySQL specific operator that you can use in your where clauses and it allows you to essentially exactly like the, so where you would use um, in your query where name comma equals comma John Doe or you, know, you can skip out leaving the equals where you, that comparison operator can now literally be the string sounds space like and this is essentially a shortcut for using MySQL's soundx function to to determine if one string sounds like another one. And it does, you know, all of this magic under the hood. So I obviously don't know how it works, but it does. And it's pretty useful if you want to find, you know, someone searching your database for a name that looks like something. So without knowing exactly how to spell it, you know, you might want to return all the Michaels and sometimes Michael is spelled A-E-L and sometimes it's spelled E-A-L. So you might be able to get the search results that way. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good way to do that. Huh, hmm. that's cool. I was, my initial thought was like uh, speech to text sort of, sort of stuff. So like the speech to text might actually pick up something that sounds like what you said, but wasn't actually what you said, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like uh, might have to try that and it translated my have to try that. Yeah. Right. So like if you use sound like, I mean, obviously I don't know if there's a way to know for sure if like you're getting input from your user as like a sound, as a speech to text sort of thing. But if you did mm -hmm. know that, that would also be an interesting use case for it to use the sounds like operator. looks like in Laravel 569, there is also, or was a potential um, cross-site scripting vector that was patched in the default bootstrap scaffolding that shipped with Laravel. So Taylor actually wrote up an article on that on Medium and uh, obviously highly suggested that you patch your existing code that could be vulnerable to this. All you basically have to do is add a, a v dash pre tag to a little item that is typically in the nav bar location of that yep that bootstrap stuff so so there you go all right what else we got what else we got what else we got i think that's it i think that's pretty much it that is it wow and that was with a dropped call from michael that was with a baby that woke up in the middle of our podcast <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit short this week, but I'm I'm okay with that. You know, we've got yeah, I've got to get to some sleep because it's eleven twenty and I'm Not feeling well. really poorly. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> as could be <coughs> <laughs> as as he coughs up along. There we go. There we go. So uh anyway. Michael, I'm thankful that you are always a good motivator for me to do this stuff because <laughs> if it wasn't for you messaging me at 9.30 and being like, hey, we're doing this tonight, I would never <laughs> do this or I would never end up keeping up with this stuff. So yeah. thanks for staying on top of it and being on the ball. Appreciate right. it. We'll be, we'll be back same time tomorrow for our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. North meets South. 
<sighs> all right, we can do. We it. can we give can it a couple it. of days. I've we've got no, a right. we've got a bank holiday on Monday, so. All right, I've I gotta got get, I gotta get some green tea in me. I'll be all right. Good. Don't get worse. All right. Yeah, I'm trying not to. No, all right, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. I don't know what episode we're on. Episode 58. 58. If you liked the show, if you enjoyed it in any small measure, please feel free to rate us up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is the best. You can do that. Just plan on doing that. Five stars is, is amazing. If you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. We would actually really like to hear from you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, at our own personal Twitter accounts at Jacob Bennett at Michael Dorinda or at Laravel News. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 58. If you'd like to be a sponsor, you should reach out to us. We would love to have you. We'll do a great job for you promoting your amazing business ideas. Be amazing. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We will see you in two weeks. See you. Bye.